You're listening to the Just Giants podcast with Grump and the Cranky Fan. Be sure to listen for free on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and Podbean. Down at nine, Winston in trouble, wrapped up, down he goes. O'Shane Simonis. Welcome back to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I'm your host, the Football Grump, and with me as always is Mike the Cranky Fan. Oh, Grump. We start hibernation period, no football till Labor Day. It sucks already. It's only been 23 hours, and uh, I miss it already. I would argue that last night's Super Bowl didn't have a whole lot of football involved in it. Um, Not one of the Uh, most exciting football games I've ever watched in my life. Remember something. The Super Bowl is not meant to be for entertainment purposes only. It is to determine a champion. Oh, I understand it's for, that. Yeah, no, I, I know. I think a lot of times people feel pissed because, oh, it wasn't entertaining. I got ripped off, which you don't pay anything to watch, so I don't understand that. But at the end of the day, it's about two teams that are competing and playing, and that's kind of what makes sports so great. You just don't know the outcome unless you're watching pro wrestling. You know, sometimes – one team just beats the shit out of the other team. So not every game is going to have a fantastic finish, you know, a last second Hail Mary touchdown. Sometimes one team just beats the hell out of the other and it's not exciting. And last night was one of those nights. What was the last time you saw a Super Bowl that felt like this? It just felt like it was just kind of one-sided and that was that. Well, I mean, I've seen a few that felt that way. Then there were monster comebacks, usually involving... At New England. <laughs> um, well, I would say the Denver one, the the one in the, the Meadowlands, maybe. Yeah, well, what I was gonna say is this one was incredible because it was like a blowout and not at all exciting. I I still felt invested in that Seattle Denver one. I don't know why. I had no no bearing on either team. I don't really care. But I mean, just the manhandling that Seattle gave to them was somehow just exciting. Maybe it's because they scored on a kickoff and. You know, the defense was just overpowering them. I'm not really sure what made that game exciting, but I, I had fun watching that one. I think because it was here, maybe. Maybe. Uh, that maybe part I was of, I mean, like, extra drunk that night. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, that probably, yeah, your alcoholism is well-established and well-known. <laughs> um, no, I think uh, I think as it was here, maybe we were just a little more in tune to what was going on. Yeah. You know, even though even though New York isn't a normal Super Bowl hosting venue, like when it's in Indianapolis or when it's in Tampa or somewhere, it's like that is the epicenter of everything, the Super Bowl. Where here, it's kind of like if you go out to watch the ball drop in Times Square at midnight or New Year's Eve, you could be four blocks away and not know it's happening. And that's kind of like what New York does. It swallows up things, but I don't know. Uh that game was memorable because I know there was that safety in the first play and it screwed everybody's pool sheets. And... Except me. I actually won money on that. <laughs> uh, well, good. Congratulations. <laughs> Maybe that's why I, I liked that one. Well, I mean, there was that also could... the, the, the Malcolm Smith interception. It just felt like an exciting game. Like, splash plays were happening. That didn't really happen in this game. No. I mean, I mean what's the most this... memorable play from the game? What's what's this what's this game gonna go down in history for like being remembering you know, it's gonna be remembered as Tom Brady did it again. Hmm. It's gonna be remembered for, you know, the streaker. It's gonna be remembered for a very bad halftime show and lots of memes coming out of it. But is there gonna be a specific play that's gonna be like I mean, the the, the plays I actually remember are some of the crazy plays Mahomes tried to make, like creating something out of nothing and None of them actually did anything. Well, okay, let's kind of get into that. So the the final score is 31-9. to nine. This game was pretty much over by the middle of the third quarter, I would say. I think it was um, over before halftime, um, honestly. You know, I want to say that, but at the same time, um, I don't know. It just seemed, you know, with, with, with Kansas City, I, I just, if I'm a Tampa Bay fan, I'm not comfortable with any amount of lead against this team, so... I, I would I would agree with you 99 out of 100 times, but seeing, you know, the only I, I predicted uh, Kansas City would win, they win by 10. Um, but the only thing I was kind of struggling with a little bit was, you know, if this offensive line is not healthy, this Tampa Bay pass rush has really been getting into its own towards the end of the year. 
and that could be a big problem. And that was a big problem, and it was one of those things like that's not going to be – they're not going to make halftime adjustments to get out of it. Like this is a you know, this is a major problem that's going to happen in this game, and that's sure enough what did happen. Yeah, this was – one of the reasons why this game was boring, uh, it, I mean at least to a casual fan who has no skin in the game. Uh, this was a game simply of game planning, and the Chiefs just looked supremely underprepared. Um, yes. I understand that they have big injuries on the offensive line. I'm not I'm not going to downplay that, but bear with me for a moment here. It just seemed like Tampa Bay had a good understanding about what Kansas City does on both sides of the ball and what they are able to do to slow it down, like exploiting key injuries. But also, they just they didn't bother trying to get cute. Todd Bowles didn't send a bunch of pass rushers against... He didn't bring the house. I mean, he would come up with some creative blitzes, sure, to overwhelm some backup guys. But for the most part, he just played too deep. I mean, why is he going to have a, a weak secondary try and run with Tariq Hill? No, mm-hmm. just sit back and zone. Sit back and zone and let your front four do, wreak some havoc, and they did. I mean, occasionally, you'd have a gap blitzer with somebody like Devin White or, or Levante David. Um, did but, a couple, couple corner blitzes, too, came off the end. That is super you know wide. Most of those were like in the first quarter too. I mean, they really yeah. tapered off. There was no need. I mean, they were getting right. in with their front four. They didn't try and get cute and do a whole bunch of crazy stunts or anything like that. I mean, they just sat back and did it. And on the on the offensive side of the board, the ball, they really just played a simple short game. I mean, it's evident in the numbers. Tom Brady, twenty one of twenty nine for two hundred yards. I mean, ugh. I mean, great great completion percentage, but. 200 yards of offense. They didn't try, though. They, 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 they didn't they, need to. But yeah, I mean, I mean the, game, this was the, the game plan wasn't to all of a sudden bombs away and it wasn't working. It was, you know, they took what they gave them and then they were able to run the ball in the it's second half. It's not even that. It's not even that. It's game planning. They knew that Steve Spagnuolo is going to send the house all the time. He's always going to blitz. So you sit back and you watch a bunch of film on his blitz packages, see if you can read what it is pre-snap and throw against it. And they did. I mean, they barely got to Tom Brady in this game. Barely. And, you know... I think there was one sack and that was officially, officially was a sack. Wasn't it that the bad snap? And he just... No, no, there was another. There was a sack in the first half. Uh, probably in the first quarter, I think. But it was kind of a coverage sack. And it was one of the ones where Tom Brady was looking deep instead of looking short. Um, <laughs> but, you know, this to me just seemed like game planning. They just watched film and saw what Kansas City does. We had a little uh, conversation about Steve Spagnuolo and, and my misunder- I, I just don't understand where the media love affair was coming from with him this year. I mean, he's a good defensive coordinator. He's not a head coaching candidate based on this year. I, I saw nothing from the Chiefs' defense this year that tells me he should be getting interviews for a head coach. No. And he honestly didn't even look like a good defensive coordinator in this game. They, well, they could I, not he- stop anything. That's the thing. It's, you know, once you've been it the first time, it's, you know, what what grants you a second chance? And again, being a good coordinator does not translate to automatically getting a second chance. I mean, it's something where, you know, there's a relationship with a, you know, uh, a, a, a former GM who likes him or an owner or something, but very rare do you see do they do they deserve to get a second chance purely because all oh, the defense was so great or the offense was so great this year there's other things on your second time around i feel yeah on on the flip side it didn't look like Kansas City game planned at all i mean it looked like they were just going to come into this game and do what they do and it just it didn't work i mean on either side of the ball they did nothing right even special teams i mean they couldn't fucking punt for shit you know, we, we, we blow Andy Reid after the Super Bowl. We blow Andy Reid after that fourth down play at the end of you know, in that one game, in the playoff game. The bottom line is the guy had a history and a rap of not Blowing being a co- big good chances. Co- in, big, in big games, in, in the most important times, in the biggest games. And uh, you know, again, I, I think that kind of came through again. And they got, yes, there were injuries, but you know, something you have two weeks to adapt to come up with something. You have the best quarterback in the league right now you have arguably the best weapon on your team two of the best weapons in the league on your team besides having the best quarterback and to really feel like it was just everything was just winging it is kind of inexcusable 
and it, it really truly looked like I mean they first of all they were just running deep routes I mean I, I know that we think that this game was over before halftime but you can't play like that you have to play to you have plenty of time you play to the clock a little bit there's no reason for you to bombs away in, in before halftime uh, I you know 21 to 6 is not insurmountable you score one touchdown and it's 21 13 it's it's a completely different ball game you know, it's it's not. It really wasn't the moment to just start bombs away. And you know, talk about winging it. It looked like Mahomes for the first time, and like he really, truly did not look like he was navigating a pocket at all. I mean, yeah, it's amazing what he does on the run and how he's able to throw so accurately. And, and we could talk about that forever, but we've all heard that before. Truly. He was at the point where here was one pass rusher coming after him, and he was running straight up backwards, dude. He's not, like, flying around and making people miss. He was literally fading backwards, like, 15, 20 yards. I, I mean, I, I feel no... Oh, oh. It, he truly did not play well in this game, period. I know receivers drop balls. I know that he had two backup tackles playing with him. That's not an excuse for his ability to move in the pocket. He was not being crunched in from all sides on every single play. There were definitely times where there's only one rusher after him, and he just started running backwards. It's never going to work. Yeah. Well, I mean, part of that might be just that, you know, that fear when you just know that you're not going to have, you know, any protection. You just start doing it subconsciously. We've seen quarterbacks over their careers do it, and, you know, I don't know. I think just try maybe trying to create something out of nothing too soon as well. Well, yeah, absolutely. You know, I mean, we, we, we really liked to talk about his throw in the championship game where he literally just sidestepped the pass rusher and then threw to a wide open Travis Kelsey. You know, that is kind of what was needed in this game. There was a whole lot of him doing a lot more than necessary, and he looked like an absolute noob back. Like, really, mm. truly, he looked like a raw college prospect in the way he was moving around the pocket um, at times last night. Did not look like an NFL quarterback at times. Um, and, I mean, also, you know, you could see he was clearly limping uh, in the second yeah, half. Yeah, that's there. a big part of it as well. Yeah. Um, but but it, it truly, it all goes to show that I don't think that Kansas City came in here and watched a ton of film and looked for things to exploit, it really looked like they were like, this is our playbook, we're going to do this. And we're completely yeah. unprepared for them to just sit back in zone and get at them with four pass rushers. They had looked like they had no plan. And defensively, it didn't even look like they watched any film on Tom Brady. They were just like, let's just throw pass rushers at them. And it, mm-hmm. it did not work at all. Um, it really did. I think that's why this game looked so boring is that it wasn't a high flying game blowout it was literally just a this team it, it was kind of like watching a boxing match where it's like a really tall dude holding a short dude at arm's length while he it's just, gonna be it's gonna be unanimous decision but it's not gonna be a knockout it's gonna go the 12 rounds yeah. that's what it felt like yeah. and just it doesn't make any difference at the end of the day it, you, you know what's gonna happen we just have to kind of go through it um and Chiefs fans, I do feel bad for you in the first half. I don't think that the officiating really fell on your side right away. It, it's, it didn't change the outcome of the game, I can tell you that much. So it's not even worth getting that, mad but, about. But but that doesn't mean that it was bad officiating. I mean, let, let, I, I think, I think, we, need make, I think we need to make. I make a distinction of that. Yeah, I, th- I think yeah. it's inconsistent. I mean, really, it's some of the times that the the secondary calls were not incorrect, but they were inconsistent. I mean, sometimes they're calling them so fucking close. That really, truly, you would have to throw a flag on every single play if that's how you're going to call holding. I mean, you really, think that's a conscious decision they were making? I, I don't think so. No, I think I think they're just trying. No, I mean, to do their no, jobs. like call it tight versus call it loose. I don't think I don't really think it's a conscious. I mean, on a certain level, I do think that certain players develop a reputation in the league where officials are looking for something. I do think that. I don't think it goes on a team basis, you know, and I, and I, I think, I think that they're just trying to do their job. And I think in game you can develop a reputation, you know, and if, if they've, if they've called two holdings on the same guy and the same drive, he's going to keep a closer eye on that guy. You know, I don't think that's anything outside the realm of just normal human nature, but, um, 
it just it got to the point where I was watching it and I truly don't care who wins this game and I'm like that's holding I would be flipping my lid right now if I were a Chiefs fan especially on the interception uh, for, for Tyron Matthew I mean really a play away from the ball I don't think he impedes the, the route runner at all it, it truly 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 felt like they got robbed on that one at the end of the day though that interception probably yields nothing uh, you know something if you're a Buck fan and I have a lot of Buck fans in my life you know we, we talk about the Valori Bowl all the time when the Giants play the Bucks. it's a very personal battle between me and Grump versus some good close friends of ours i lived down there for uh for 14 years from you know the year that vinnie testaverde was drafted up until the year where they made the nfc championship game with uh sean king so i saw living down there a lot of very bad football and um this is your time you know uh they waited 20 years which that's an eternity in the NFL. I mean, that's, you know, that's, it's, it's not going to get the same, you know, storiedness and the same, you know, media going crazy like Cleveland having to wait for a Super Bowl or these other teams. But they, I believe, still have the worst record in NFL history, like, you know, aggregate win-loss record of any team. They were so bad when they first started. Well, and I was going to say, bad. it's not even that it's 20 years. It's that in between those 20 years, they weren't really competitive very much. No, I mean, how many, I mean, we we saw them. We were down there in Tampa last year mm-hmm. for that game. and We've been there remember, like, like four years in a row. Yeah, remember, we won that game. You know, we're a bad team. <laughs> and you no, know, that was rookie's a, that, first start at quarterback too. Exactly, and also Saquon Barkley got hurt in that game, and it was just a it was a classic losers lose. You know, it was two. It's a shame someone had a win. There was two losers loses playing, and one loser lose lost more than the other loser lose. <laughs> but I mean, it's just you know, I don't you don't you, you don't want to think that one guy can make that much of a difference, but. One guy made that much of a difference, well, and it may not have come on. I, I, you know, yes, that team is that team is completely different in mindset and everything. It may not be necessarily, you know, statistic wise and numbers wise, but you know, that's almost the same defense we saw this year from last year, right? A couple Winfield, you know, a rookie and, and some other things, but yes, but they, that they team did is, a lot to help com- the offensive line. Um, they did a great job drafting. Um, and developing talent as well. Tom Brady also brought in Gronkowski, who had a monster game. Did he win Super Bowl MVP, by the way? Uh, it was Brady. Okay. Um, you know, Gronkowski had a monster game. Um, I mean, even Antonio Brown comes in over there. I mean, really, truly, yes, but none, Tom Brady but makes a things, massive difference, but, but they but I don't want to undermine happen. everything else that they did in the last year. No, 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 no. But none of those things that you mentioned happen if Brady doesn't come. I mean... You know, that the Brady effect of, you know, Gronkowski coming there and Antonio Brown coming there. And, mm-hmm. you know, you know, they made a great move. They, they, they picked up Leonard Fournette off the scrap heap. I mean, they made a lot of moves that worked. But, you know, this is also a team where, you know, again, I am very close to a lot of Buck fans that had had it up to there with the general manager, had had it up to here with, you know, this ownership for being cheap. You know, starting with a little of the Bruce Arian stuff, you know. Didn't like uh, Todd Bowles. Didn't like Brian Leftwich. Well, Todd Bowles won this game. Todd Bowles deserves the Super Bowl. He should be MVP. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't. I don't even want to hear argument about it because I mean that really was the big deciding factor. Was this was a game about defense? Period. Yeah. End of story. I mean, Kansas City's defense was completely exploited for their weaknesses. Tampa Bay just sat back and kept the highest scoring offense from scoring any touchdowns. Yeah. So I mean, I mean, Todd Bowles. I, I can't imagine being upset with him. Although, to be fair, all regular season they were. I don't want to say garbage. That's not true. They just they were middle of the pack at they, best. They were like last year's LSU team, where it's like they didn't need to have a great defense because they had a good offense, hmm. and that's kind of what happened. Yeah, and and that really kind of just sums that's okay. Up the Super Bowl. I mean, really, it just not much to dive into not much was exciting there weren't very many key plays um i thought i thought the uh 
end zone interception was kind of funny at the end of the game there. Uh, I'm not sure who made that pick. Yeah, I mean, this game could have been even a lot worse. I mean, they get stopped on the one-yard line, the, the Bucks. Yeah. yeah. Which, by, Which the way, by the way, you go for. That that was the right call. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I, I just love that every single time there's an inside handoff and a guy gets hit at the line, it's always the quarterback that puts his hands up, like the guy with the possible worst angle, you know what I mean, of the, of the play, of whether or not he crossed the plane, insisting that it's a touchdown. Like, sit down. The hell are you talking about? <laughs> um, he's always a little mouthy when it's like to his greatest advantage. Like you know, he, he likes to bark in people's ear when it's like you know things are going good or there's linemen around him or something. He's he's very he's a little too calculated for me. Yeah, I, I yeah that's and this game also features one of my least favorite players ever in Tyron Matthew, guy I have not liked going back to LSU. Oh yeah, well, yeah. Right. Just you know, yeah. it's it's not even so much that he's a punk bitch because there's tons of those. That's fine, but I don't understand why people think he is so good. I mean, he is really just to me. I he mean, always has been good. He's just he's a, you give the guy and the guy gets a nickname. The guy has a, an, an image. It's, it's kind of like an Odell Beckham, but Beckham is better oh, at what he yes. does. But there's always going to be more of a spotlight on him because of just being a flamboyant guy and a personality and a nickname and a hair and just that type of stuff. You're just in the collective consciousness more. And a lot of people kind of equate that to being better than you are. Yeah. Yeah. So I get it. He got, he got his pants pulled down around his ankles this game. Really? (laughs) Right. Yep. Um, yeah, I mean that's really that was really it. It was nothing really, um, nothing really else of note in this game. You want to talk about anything about like, you know, Romo and Nance at all in this? I think they did the best they could with uh, what was an otherwise not exciting game. You know, I, 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 you know, we we talked about Romo, and I really think this was the Jim Nance. I think Jim Nance was. I think he's fantastic. I think he is definitely. If, well, he's a different announcer now that he's with Romo. Oh, absolutely! Like he has a big game voice. He does all the big things. You know, he's kind of like uh, you know what Al Michaels was in a different generation and you know different millennium. <laughs> uh, yeah. You know, what, what Dick Enberg was, what Pat Summerall was. You know, big game announcers, and he's a big game guy. And I think he has more fun now doing the games, and he can let his hair down a little bit more. Um, you know, when he was with uh, Phil Sims, I think it was a little, a little tighter, a little closer to the vest, maybe. But now I think he definitely it was a little closer he, to the pillow. Let's be honest. Yeah, well, he he, feel, he feels the excitement from Romo, mm-hmm. and I think you know he gets excited to call a big touchdown as, as he does. And uh, you know, Romo was funny. You know, because I think he's starting to get a little bit of not the joke that he is, but like. He's starting to get what people think of him, and like he kept saying, like, "Oh, if if they're ever to come back, now is the time." Like he almost made like a joke out of it towards in the fourth quarter with things. And I, he's he's really, he's uh, they're great. They and when I forgot that it was the game was even on CBS, I just don't even worry about well, what channel it's on. I was like, "Oh, good, it's these guys." Yeah, for and, sure. You know, I, I saw a lot of people leading up to this game complaining about Romo. Um, in A, being a little too excited and people thinking that he is brilliant. Um, You know, I don't really give a shit if he predicts the play. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not interested in an analyst guessing what the play is going to be. I want him to tell me the intricacies of what just happened that I didn't see. And I think he does a great job with that. If he he gives his best guess on what the play is going to be and he's wrong, I mean, I don't expect him to be a psychic. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, and he's also dialed that down a lot too. He doesn't do that nearly as much as when he first started. He was doing it all the time. He'd be like, "This is gonna be, this is gonna be this, this is gonna be this." He doesn't do that nearly as much as he did. And you're right. I don't need him to be a psychic. Um, I think what he needs to do a little bit, and I'm thinking about a game like the Super Bowl where you have a lot of a lot of fans that are just kind of not fans. They're just there to watch. I, I think you need to kind of explain things a little dumbed down Hmm. and like 
you know, I, 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 I'm always fascinated by announcers. I'm always thinking about like how they're calling it. Like in that game, like explain why, why was Tampa Bay's defense so good? Cause everybody expected, if you're just a very casual observer, you're expecting that game to be 75, 73. You've heard Mahomes Brady for two weeks. Why did they only score nine points? You know, and do it in a way that, you know, like football for dummies. And they really, you know, he he doesn't go to the telestrator ever. He doesn't really kind of break down as much. But like like Chris Collinsworth would be too nerdy. Where I, I, I think that, you know, in a normal, if it's week 12 and this is, you know, Kansas City, Tampa Bay and the, and the the fan, the, the audience is a is a football watching audience. I think Romo is perfect. I think for a game like this, you kind of need to almost dumb it down a little bit, but not be insulting to the football fan. But you know, it's only what his third year. He'll he'll get better. I think you're right. He doesn't go to the the Telestrator very often. But here's my critique of the three networks on how they how they broadcast games. I think Fox does a lot of the analysis and immediate breakdown and instant replay stuff really really well I mean I don't think any broadcast has as many replays as Fox does and you know they're all about fucking drawing arrows all over the screen and showing you everything their problem is that they have probably the worst group of announcers I mean their A team is, is terrible Buck's it, fine Buck's fine but, but I mean it, it, it's, Aikman is not Aikman, Aikman is every single team together team is not good um you go, you switch to NBC and it's just dry announcing and too much crap, way too much silliness and and crap. Just, just well, remember that is also that is Sunday night. It's I, Sunday yes, night. But also, it's it, sometimes the Super Bowl. So, yeah. Well, even more so then. I mean, Sunday night is not. You are getting such a huge. I mean, it's it's by far and away the highest rated program every week. I'm not saying it is or isn't justified. All I'm saying is that's my issue with it is it's just it's 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 silly songs and dancing and, and graphics yep. and, and football animatronics of people jumping around and and way over explaining stuff and sometimes explaining something like it's a big factor when it's happened once or twice because that's what they pre-scripted it to be. You know what yeah. I mean? You can tell when they were they were prepared in the board room when they were doing all these animations and stuff, and then it doesn't happen, and they just have to kind of force plug it anyway. Um, it just yeah, gets is... to be overwhelming entertainment. And CBS, on the other hand, and this has always been the problem with them, they like never show you a replay of what just happened ever. It yeah. is so infuriating watching a game on CBS because you a no human can see everything that's happening all at once. B, I can't see the whole field on a TV screen. And C, sometimes shit just – I need another angle. Like, please help me out. Like, you have a billion cameras. I don't understand why they never show replays, ever. It's not just Nansen Romo. I mean, it's the whole CBS team. Their their truck teams are terrible. Yeah, I mean, that's that's a director. Yeah. That's you know, the basic. And the difference is that back in the day, you know, I, I think the – if I recall, there was a guy Grossman. I think was the director who did CBS during the prime Madden Summerall days when they had when they had the NFC. And there was uh, Fred Glory, I believe, the producer now of Sunday Night, who used to be the Monday Night guy during you know the eighties and nineties and forever. But Fox, Fox made a decision when when Fox first started, you know, in the early nineties that they were gonna they were gonna be different. You know, they if you remember. They had that one camera angle, which is like a 45 degree angle to the field. Mm. Hated that shit, but they they wanted to be edgy and they wanted to be that you know the you know the outlaw network and the outcast network. And you know it wasn't we're not talking about 60 minutes after the game. We're talking about Mary with children after the game. And you know that's the way. And, and CBS has always been, you know, it's always your your dad's network. You know, all the shows on CBS are traditionally have been for older people. You know, Pat Summerall sounded like he was 80 when he was probably 45 or 50. You know, it, it was always was an older network. So maybe that's kind of why they, you know, are were reluctant to change for so much. I mean, maybe. I, I mean, I, I don't, I don't really have the the media background to to get into the whys. Just simply what I see. 
Honestly, I prefer games on CBS than I do Fox. I mean, if I could watch Fox on mute, it's it's great. Or if I could just get the Fox broadcast with any other group of announcers. I, I have in the past watched uh, games in foreign language and actually enjoyed it, especially on a Sunday afternoon. Those 1 o'clock games, every time that they plug a fucking dumb commercial and there's nothing going on in the field, those foreign language things, they just show you highlights from around the league. There's no commercial, no plug, nothing. They don't yeah, care. Like- Ever, if anybody's ever been to London for, for whatever reason, I know when, when the Giants were playing you know, out there, we went and their feed is great. Like, they hardly ever show commercials. Like, they'll have the game and they go to a timeout and they'll have, like, some English bloke who's, like, the, you know, the, uh, the lead guy at the desk and they'll have some D list NFL player from eight years ago who's the, the expert. And, They'll talk about a different game, and they'll kind of like in between football one-on-one and a, a regular panelist. And it, it's, it's really interesting how they do it. And the commercials are few and far in between. Yeah, and meanwhile, my, I, watched, I watched the Super Bowl with my parents because I'm cool. Um, but my mother was super confused because she thought halftime was coming up in the middle of the first quarter because they literally were advertising the Rocket Mortgage halftime show like – 35 minutes before it's going to happen. I mean, it, like, absurdly early, just to plug in another ad at you. It, it's frustrating. It's, well, it's, it's the Super Bowl. I mean, that's, I that's, get it, but that's I mean, their major moneymaker. I know it's the Super Bowl, but I, I'm using that as an example because it's the only game my mom watches. But, I mean, we see this all the time. the drive of the game, GMC, whatever. I mean, the, any opportunity to plug in an ad and not have action, man, we take we, we sure take advantage of it. So I guess we should go full uh, sports radio mode. What did you think of uh, the weekend? Uh, I, I guess you didn't like it. I enjoyed it because, you know, first of all, for what they were able to do in a, in a I guess, a COVID atmosphere, I'm sure they were restricted in a lot of ways. I enjoyed that there was a lot less flash. I mean, in, in the, the past several halftime shows, there's always an announced artist and then, like, three or four surprise random celebrities that don't belong with them. They get mixed in there. And I was so glad that it was just the fucking artists that they announced. I thought that was great. I don't really particularly give a shit about the weekend. It's fine. It didn't annoy me. It wasn't, it didn't throw me to the floor, but it was fine. I could look at my phone while it was playing and not get annoyed or I could watch it. It didn't matter. I, my, my thing with, with the weekend is that when you're the Super Bowl halftime act, it needs to be big. It needs to be something where you only have 12 minutes or 15 minutes. You need to have the majority of the people watching not only know every song, but probably could sing along to 90% of what's being out there. And this is not a knock on the weekend. It's just the fact that you know we, we are getting to the point now where the combination of society is so segmented and what they listen to and watch, and we've gone through – the A list of, of acts that can, you can do that with that, you know, it's just a, I, I can't, I can't get into a, a performance like that where I just don't know it. And that might be old man, cranky fan saying this. I think, I think that might be. Yeah. But I mean, again, the weekend is not Bruno Mars. Even I agree. You know, Bruno Mars, Bruno Mars is, you know, as ubiquitous as you know, uh, Prince was in 1984 for his time. Mm-hmm. You know those songs, those Bruno Mars. Everybody knows those songs. You hear that they they are they're everywhere. I mean, people know that weekend song. I bet you most people only know the, the Blinding Lights because that's been on on a nonstop rotation for a month on the commercials leading up to the Super Bowl, but. The average person over 35 and up probably does not – maybe knows maybe one weekend song. You know, so I can't be generated by it's – not, it's not going to hold people's attention who are not just music fans like, oh, I want to check out this band. I want to – they're not going to be into it, and it's just kind of like a – you know, I don't know. I, 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 I just think that we're, we, we've, we've kind of run out of those acts that are like, okay – the majority of people are going to be, you know, have their attention held and be thoroughly entertained by it, by because they know it. 
and I don't I don't know if that's just the way it is going forward or you know I'm out of the loop in popular music because I'm I think I think it's a combo of both. I think I think you're a little bit out of it. Um I think I think people around the age of like between 35 and 40 know a little bit more than one song. They may not know that it's all him, but I think they've all heard them and probably know the chorus that they can sing along to. Um, right. But I think I think you hit it on the head with with Bruno Mars. I think we just we we drafted the weekend into the Super Bowl halftime show uh, earlier in his career than we did Bruno Mars. And Bruno Mars wasn't that long ago, and he is well, already it. an established name at that point. But I, I think, I think like it. maybe like three years from now, if they had cast the weekend, it would have been an obvious choice, and people would have known. You know what I mean? That that, that you, you nail it. He hasn't reached that career arc yet. Where not, not for the the upper. I mean, like people. Probably like thirty between like thirteen and thirty, they probably loved it. I, I'm I'm not even. I, yeah, I, they, they've heard all those songs. They love all those songs. They probably wish that it was longer. Um, but but in terms of a Super Bowl halftime show, you are trying to appeal to an even wider audience, and I don't think he hit that yet. That, yeah, and that that's all I'm saying. Yeah, is no, that, I agree with that. You know, he has another album or two where he has one or two big banger hits, and it's like, yeah. But, but if you're going to ask me what I thought of this halftime show, you understand the scale that I'm grading against here. I mean, oh, yeah. we've seen some really bad halftime shows. I mean, holy yeah. shit, the Madonna one was bad. Uh, shit, I was there. Yeah. <laughs> it was – every Giant fan who's listening to this knows they were there for that one. It was bad because – and also when you you're there – You Bruno Mars one. I thought Bruno Mars was going to be a great halftime show and that was the one that I got truly annoyed. They brought the Red Hot Chili Peppers out. Yeah. Wasn't that, I, that one? And Flea's bass not even plugged in. He's just flopping around. It was just stupid. It made me so angry. Yeah. Well, I, well because Bruno Mars, again, you know, is, is much bigger than The weekend, but, you know, needed that little push from, oh, the Chili Peppers – which I'm surprised they haven't done it. That's the type of band that, you know. Yeah, I, that's, I, that, that's that's part a, of that that's group. A gap bridging generation, uh, generation gap sure. bridging sure. band. I don't know. I mean, who's left? I mean, is there? Can you name like three acts that are kind of like, yeah, that would be a Super Bowl act, or is they have to kind of reimagine what the Super Bowl halftime show is? The answer is Queen. Sure. I mean, of course they're going to have to get somebody like Adam Lambert to sing. But you know something? People don't care at this point. I mean, they, they hear Queen. They know the songs. Well, yeah, and, and, they're, and they're fairly sports songs. You know what I mean? They're, they're great crowd sure. songs. Yeah, they're, Queen would be great. Yeah, and, that, and that's why I also like a band like Journey, even if they brought in sure. you know, the karaoke singer they have now. You know, the, But again, you know, now we're talking – we think they're all big, but you're right. You know, there's a whole generation under 30 that could give a shit. Well, maybe. Although I don't Queen know. Is, Queen just, Queen's just, just had that fucking movie huge. come out. So Queen's huge. Queen is huge. They have a whole a new thing. A journey. I don't. I don't know if Journey would be, but Journey you know. again. You go back to around the time the Sopranos ended, and that would have been massive. Right. Right. I mean, I, I've been to three Super Bowls. And I was able to. I was fortunate enough. To, I saw Tom um, Tom Petty, which was pretty decent. I but, thought that was great. I, I wouldn't yeah. have pegged it for being great, but I thought it was great. It was good. Um, saw Madonna, which was horrible. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> the first one in Tampa 20 years ago ended up being uh, the, the first of like I think it was like the modern halftime show where it was Britney Spears and Aerosmith and I think some of like NSYNC or something. It was it was atrocious. Basically, I mean, you were better I, off in the bathroom. I, I exactly what I did. I took a went in, I got a hot dog and took a shit, and there was nobody <laughs> in the club level at, at the Super Bowl. It was great. It was just like probably hey, the best part the, of that game. I gotta tell you, these are things they don't tell you about in college and what you do in a halftime. You know, in this. <laughs> <laughs> um, I do. I do want to get to. There's some significant giant news. Really, really big giant news, in my opinion. Um, the Giants have made an official offer. Um, the the for, for the offensive line coach um i don't believe it's official because they there is no signature on paper yet but it seems to be that the current university of louisiana offensive coordinator and offensive line coach robert sale will be the offensive line coach for the new york giants um 
Which Louisiana? Raging Cajuns. Okay. Um, not not the SEC, but the SBC. No, 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 no. Because there's like what they did a few years back is they used to be like Southwest Louisiana, and they renamed all the state schools like Louisiana Lafayette, Louisiana Monroe. So I was curious yeah. which one. Um, the the Cajuns uh, were the sixth best running, rushing team in 2019 in the nation. I mean that's huge. They had. They currently have two running backs projected to be drafted on day two, day three of this upcoming NFL draft with Elijah Mitchell and Trey Regis. And they had two drafted last year, round two and round seven, with Robert Hunt and Raymond Calais. Um, and also, guard Kevin Dotson was drafted on day two. All of that tells, tells me good offensive line. You have four running backs drafted in two years? That's <laughs> insanity. I mean, that's really, Ooh. really good. Um and this is a team that's not getting your SEC five-star recruits all over the place. The best recruit they have on the line is one four-star that transferred from Arizona what, State. What type of offense are they running? Is it something like they a – They uh, run the ball a fucking lot. Yeah, lot. I was going to say. Yeah. I mean their, their quarterback is pretty trash. He, he's a, a lefty. He's kind of part of the running thing, uh, you know. But right. but they, they like to swap out running backs. And when you have – at, at the college level, there are running backs at an elite level, and then there are good dudes that you, you think are going to be NFL guys, and everybody else is also good. It just depends on the talent around them. Absolutely. Do you know what I mean? I mean, to get this many guys, th- these guys, they're not spectacular. These are not Saquon Barkley's running down there. Um but they're running like crazy, and if it, it just takes some watching. They did some crazy offensive line stuff, I, so stuff that I have not seen. I don't think I've seen like guards blocking to the left and the left tackle looping behind him. To it was very strange. It was like a defensive end defensive tackle stunt, but with the left tackle and left guard, weird shit. But cool, and it, and it all looked like it worked. I mean, again, there's a four star recruit on this offensive line. I think a three star. A two star and then some no stars. This is well. Not... All, they're also they're also playing in a pretty weak conference too, so you don't have to have four stars. They also to beat that. Iowa State. That's true. You know, yes, you're right. They're playing in a very weak. The Sun Belt Conference is not known for its uh, <laughs> for its you know national champions or anything like that. Uh, yeah. But nevertheless, this and and. Here's the here's the real kicker. Here is I can watch film on this guy all day and all the offensive line stuff that he does. Every offensive line analyst that I follow on Twitter immediately endorsed this hire as an excellent, excellent hire because he's a huge developer of talent. So, Let, let's let's back up a second. Sure. What happened with us? And you know why why was what's his name's contract not renewed? So why. Um, what, what's the story? The story here is uh, initially, upon Joe Judge's hire, Dave Googe, uh interviewed with Joe Judge, as did um, Mark Colombo. Colombo ended up winning that job, uh, mostly because he kind of came with Jason Garrett. You know, I'm sure there was a connection there, um, but it really seemed like those two came together. Uh, the offensive line was not performing well this year. Joe Judge had to step in, allocate a bunch of his time to fixing things. Um, we started to see a turnaround. They hired Googe to come in as an outside consultant. So a one-year contract to help out from an outside basis. You know, um, To which Colombo did not take very kindly. Uh, there was some form of altercation, verbal altercation. He was fired. And then at that point... Upon his firing, Googe was offered to upgrade that contract. He was already hired, by the way, uh, to be an outside consultant. They amended that contract to make him the offensive line coach, but it didn't extend the length of it. Um, and so then, what? So what happened from that point to? I mean, the end of the I think season both, when... both sides really just opted not to uh, continue it. I think that Googe in no way ever really wanted to be the offensive line coach once the season started. He agreed to be this outside consultant and help for some money. I don't think he really wanted to be a part of the staff. Um, I, I, I mean, I, I just think that the interest wasn't necessarily there. Uh, 
for him. Hmm. Um, and, and I don't think that the, I don't know. It didn't seem, it seemed like a mutual disinterest to me. Um, I am glad, you know, we, we talked, uh, we didn't talk about this, but they interviewed the assistant offensive line coach, Ben Wilkerson. And uh, I saw that as a little bit troubling. You know, it seemed to me like we were just kind of out of ideas. Um, and I'm sure he deserves an interview and that's fine. I just, if we if we just upgraded our assistant guy, uh, it just, it seemed to me like we didn't really have a plan for the most important position coach on the team. Um, and I, I'm pretty pretty happy with this hire so far. And a lot I still have to do to, to figure out this all happened today, the day we're recording it earlier this morning. Um, but from everything I've seen so far, uh, I'm really excited. If he's really the guy who's great at developing talent, again, not a whole lot of five-star recruits on the Raging Cajuns offensive line. But that's what we need. We have a lot of young guys whose talent was not getting utilized correctly. Utilized. Yeah, I mean, Andrew Thomas yeah. struggled, and then all of a sudden, he was fine. More than fine. Well, I mean, he was really again... Good. As we've documented every single week, a lot of that was due to, you know, we had no offseason to really get a lot of these young guys ready to play. You know, Andrew Thomas is learning what it was like to be in the NFL on the fly. And you don't have the normal training, strength and conditioning program. You don't, you know, you don't, you don't get that face time and you don't get that, that time on the practice field to really do. I mean, I'm expecting a quantum leap from guys like him in this offseason going into next year. And uh, this guy is a great developer of talent. That will only increase the speed of that, too. And it's important because Saquon Barkley hopefully will be back. And Daniel Jones is, you know, we need him to take that next step. And having to worry about the offensive line in front of him is not going to help things. So if that's shored up even further, you know, additional fortification of the line happens in this offseason. That's uh, well, if that's not mission critical one, that's definitely in the top two or three things that have to be done. This, sure, this I mean, we, we've been complaining about the offensive line since 2012. <laughs> this leather helmets. Yeah, so you know, I'm all for this. I love this hire, and I, I, I really um, haven't been that excited about anything on the offensive line since, honestly, and this is going to make me sound like a, a homer, but since Dave Gettleman got here, I mean. He hasn't nailed every single one. Will Hernandez is looking a little eh right now. Uh, you know, we don't really know, but the emphasis is clearly there. You know, the the emphasis on getting the right guys and and getting some talent there and worrying about the outside afterwards um, because it all well, starts it has up to, front. Yeah. yeah, it has to. I mean, if if you've made a commitment that you're going to draft Saquon Barkley, you know, you have to put him in the best position to succeed. Pure and simple. I mean, they drafted as great as Saquon Barkley is and a generational quarterback, a running back, and all of that. They spent an extremely valuable pick on a running back. Mm-hmm. And with the intention that that's what the key of their offense is going to be. I mean, they'll get a, they'll get a quarterback later and it'll be good. And, but you invest something that high, you are going to be a running team. And you need an offensive line to make it work because you could be Jesus Christ as a running back, but without an offensive line, you're useless. Yeah, absolutely. And not for nothing, but everything helps Daniel Jones. So, Sure. Whether it's a good offensive line or good running game or both. Um, Daniel Jones is not Patrick Mahomes. He needs to be he, – he's going to be the sum of all parts quarterback as opposed to a Superman who does it on his own. So that's it. That's the, the 2020 season is over. You know, I'm, gl- I'm glad we got to see an end. We weren't sure if we were going to see a beginning, but um, we saw it all. Yeah, we, I, I don't think there was one canceled game. I mean, there were a couple were moved around, but I, I never ever thought we'd get through a whole season and do it on time. I mean, that's you, know, you. We can debate going forward if that was the right thing to do. Um, you know, football had a different approach than basketball did or, or baseball did to get their seasons in, but they got it in and uh, we needed it. We needed some sense of normalcy this year and, you know, football provided it. Sure. And that's, you, know, you can't calculate that or measure it, but it helped people's psyche 
during this this nonsense. So, and hopefully, you know, when we're as we talk in the summer all about the next season and you know opening weekend, you know, the week after Labor Day, we are all sitting in Giant Stadium. You know, eighty thousand of us watching a team that we hope will not only battle for a playoff spot, will actually be a playoff team next year. So big off season coming up and I'm glad we can talk about it and not be in fear that we won't have a season. It is a big off season and we have a lot of stuff planned and it's all going to start next week. We're going to get into the state of this roster and uh, kind of just go over what we saw this year from the giants. Um, and yeah. And you know how you even approach the off season is by analyzing how the season went and where you know, the needs are and where the strengths are. So that's kind of what we're going to do next week. So be sure to follow the podcast on, you know, iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Spotify, everywhere. Give us a nice subscription. Uh, it will cost you literally nothing. And um, you will get all these episodes first thing in the morning. Catch me as always at the Cranky Fan, where even though football season is over, you will always catch a take or two from me about the Knicks the lightning spring training is coming up in a couple weeks. That means American league champion, Tampa Bay rays, Florida Gator football. And Oh yeah. The New York giants. Mm -hmm. And as always, you can follow me on Twitter at football underscore grump where I interact with whomever wants to interact. So a good place to find me. And, um, I'm a little bit more in depth on things that are happening in the moment. So I was a little, uh, I was I happened to be right there on it when Robert Sale news passed the Twitter sphere. So good place to follow me at football underscore grump. And with that, we will see you next week. Go Giants. Go Giants. Go Giants.